Hello and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast, the culmination and brainchild of my own love for cars, but also my determination to ensure that nobody ever goes to what I've been through. That is hating their nine to five and living only for the weekends. My amazing wife, uh, Zainab, went through her own transformational journey a couple of years ago now that saw her basically transform pretty much every aspect of her life, including our own marriage, to be fair. And I suppose it was kind of the result of that conversation um, and which we had on the podcast that we thought we'd sort of flip roles and uh, she decided that she'd love to interview me. And so... What follows here is a very long, con- very long, frank and open conversation with me. And yeah, you'll see what we kind of cover off, but hope you enjoy it. I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm sitting here saying, you know, university is the worst thing in the world. It's horrible and I hate it. And no, like, I, I don't think that at all. I, I think that we just live in a, in a, in a, in a, in a day and age where University is not a prerequisite to whatever whatever you determine as success. And knowing, this is the important thing, knowing that if I put my mind to it, I'll be okay. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. It is, what time is it right now? 9.30. The baby's asleep. Sarah's down. Yeah. A massive accomplishment. Yeah. Each night. And we're going to have our chat. With a cup of tea and hot chocolate. Yeah, absolutely. Why am I so nervous? I don't know. I'm actually We, we talk like this all the time. So <laughs> this is just about us having a normal conversation, right? I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm having a job interview. Mm-mm. We're just going to chat. There's nothing to be nervous about. Okay. Cool. As he says, slurping down a big gulp of tea. Yeah. Calm those nerves. So... As you know, this conversation is something that we decided to do a while ago, Um, mostly because I think it's really important for your audience to see the real you. Well, this was obviously your idea, right? Yeah. And I know you're here to interview me, but what was the reason you wanted to do this? Or what was was the idea behind it? Because I think it's it's important that people get to see the real you. Hmm. I mean, the, the, the you I see, personally, I don't think is necessarily the you that everyone else sees. And, How do you mean? Well, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just think you're not as raw as you are with me. And I think that okay. maybe sometimes you don't get the opportunity to show that side or the real side of you. Yeah. Because... Yeah. For, for whatever reason anyway so that's yeah. why i thought it'd be a good opportunity for us to have a conversation yeah. let's pretend that the mic's not there let's pretend it's not getting recorded and we're just going to talk the way we normally would have spoken yeah i think that's a good i think yeah i get that i think i think when you're doing a podcast you are constantly trying to i wouldn't say put on an act but you do feel like you're, you're trying to obviously ask really intelligent, thought-out questions at the same time trying to hold a conversation. And it's it's hard to be natural yourself 
you're interviewing. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. So let's start. I mean, let's let's talk about the reason why we're here. Yeah. Let's talk about behind the wheel. Yes. Just just talk to me about how did behind the wheel start? Behind the wheel began. I was at uh, mum and dad's place, mm-hmm. and uh, as we, as we, you know, every now and then do, you know, we'll um, spend a bit of time with our families, which is you know, obviously quite nice. And I don't know if I've even told you this. I, I don't know if I told you this, this story. Um, I was, it was, uh, it was late at night, struggling to sleep, and uh, I, I literally cried. I, I literally cried because I was in a place where I was like, I just felt so valueless, or at least I wasn't working towards something which was going to be a reflection of my true potential. And I felt like I was doing this job, which was okay at the time. It wasn't the worst thing in the world, but I just felt like I, I could do something more and better and more meaningful. And um, a massive part of that was I've always loved cars. And I was like, if I don't do something about this love for cars, I'm going to be kicking myself. And I remember, I remember, I haven't read this book, but there's a book out there about how this guy interviews old people and he asks them, you know, what are your thoughts and reflections on life? And the biggest theme to have come out of all those interviews from all those people, it it wasn't like, oh, I wish I earned more money or I wish I had, you know, um, risen faster in my career. I wish that you know, um, I had bought bigger houses. The biggest theme to have come out from the old people that are about to die, they're on their deathbeds, was that I, I, I wish I had not been so scared. I wish I tried more things. I wish I had experimented more. And that got to me because I was like, I don't want to be in that place where I'm feeling regret in my life. And so... I woke up the next day and the first thing I did was I spoke to a coach and he managed to encourage me to take the first steps towards building behind the wheel. At the time it wasn't called behind the wheel, it was just an idea. But it was very clear in my head that I did not want this to be just a simple car channel. I say simple in loose terms. I mean a review channel. I don't, I don't want to go out there to review cars. Mm-hmm. For me, it was important that I am able to delve into my love for cars whilst at the same time do something that is meaningful to me and is real to me and is important to me and most importantly is a vehicle, pardon the pun, a vehicle for giving back to society in some meaningful way where it's it's I'm adding value, right? Um, and that's how it started. Um, and having those early conversations led me down the path of where we are right now, which is, you know, as we know, is is, is the podcast and mm-hmm. everything else that goes alongside it. So just going back a step, let's just go back to that night that you were talking about. Yeah. And you mentioned that that you cried. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. know, I know you. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. No. 
and i mean why did you cry like why was it such a big emotion why that night um i think part of it was being by myself um you know i'm i mean i'm always telling you how i can't sleep at night um when um when you know when um whenever we spend time apart i don't sleep at all it's it's incredibly rare i'll get like 2 hours of sleep mm. and even that is broken up into like little chunks whether or not that's the result of just being used to a particular routine but the point is that that night again i couldn't sleep but that night was different because not only were well, not only were we apart but um i felt like in many ways i'd suppressed it I'd suppressed this feeling of wanting to do something bigger and better than myself and i guess to a certain degree i guess to a certain degree um but obviously finished with hhc you know moved on from that and i guess for the first time in my life i felt like i haven't i haven't got something that you know i can ultimately lay my mark on and you know you've known me long enough to know that i've always had this thing inside me that wanted to do that 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 wanted to really kind of explore and tap into and maximize my full potential and leaving behind a legacy is so so important to me being of value is really important to me and so so that 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 point there like you want you want to be of value yeah I mean, you're right. We've talked about that a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, oh, I get frustrated because you've got this new thing that you want to try, yeah. and and I remember when we when we spoke about this before, I kept it was like it was like this endless loop of there being something new. Yeah, yeah. But this time, I mean, do you think this time was different in any way, or? was it the same feeling that you had all those other times I don't think I've ever cried mm, I agree with you um I don't know why I cried this time um but all I can say is it was this this incredibly intense like I like it words cannot describe the feeling of lying in a bed the pillows are wet with your tears and you're thinking is this it is this if i you know it was almost like i was i was talking to myself and i was like if you continue down this trajectory right you've got a job an amazing family of course and everything else you know um nothing to really worry about am i going towards that destination that i really believe is where i want to head towards and i was looking at myself and i was like i'm not i'm not making those moves i'm not even heading anywhere near that direction like here i am desperately wanting to make sure that i don't li- i i don't have regrets mm. but here i am so scared of having regrets but i'm not doing anything about it and it just it just hit me like a like a like a ton of bricks and i was like i've got to swing about this and yeah that was that was the beginning as the why was different that day um 
yeah I mean if I was if I mean looking back on that experience you know yeah being alone um I mean, whilst I would love to have some amazing story about how, you know, I had a horrible job and it wasn't that bad at the time. You know, my job was fine. You, you keep know? saying at the time. Yeah. I mean, we know. We know what happened. Yeah, we, we'll talk about that in a bit, yeah? Yeah. But yeah. at the time, it wasn't that bad. And we'll talk about it in more detail in a bit. But do you think that the worse your job got the more intensity you put behind behind the wheel or was there no relationship i don't think there was i mean if you if i was to be honest right i feel like i'm going no i i i don't think there's a relationship because I think that there's a there's a recognition for me that behind the wheel and so many of these projects that I've always had in my mind. I mean, behind the wheel is probably the one that's always that I've taken probably the furthest and the longest, I would argue. But you know, um, in uh, it, it's always been clear in my head this is a long term mission. It will take it will take a long time for this to ever become something that is even near the scale and impact that I want to have. And so it's always been clear to me, like, it, it, it was, it was, it's never in the short term going to compensate for any job that I hate, right? You know, um, so that, that, that was always clear in my head. Um, and... If you look at that moment when I was crying, that infamous night, you know, um, my job was okay at the time. I was happy. Well, I don't say happy, but I was okay. Right? Had a, had a, had a relatively new role. You know, yes, it was stressful at work, but it wasn't exactly the worst thing in the world. You know, I was at a fantastic position. It was it was a, it was a step up for me career wise. Um, so yeah, I think. It's a good question, and yeah, if I was to put my hand on heart, I, I don't think there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a connection there in terms of how bad I'm feeling about my, my, my work and the link between that and how hard I push or how much I want to have something else. Okay. And then, uh, the, so just go back when we talked about behind the wheel. How did you come up with Behind the Wheel, like the name Behind the Wheel? Where did that come from? Which actually, I actually don't know this. You don't? No, I don't, oh, okay. I don't actually know this. Uh, so, yeah, whilst I'd love to have some amazing story behind this, I actually don't. It was, it was, it's, it's born out of that, that desire to want to, to want to, to want to be in the car space and the desire to want to to want to help other people who have going who have gone through or are going through what I've been through in my life in the last couple of years. What that culminated in early on in the journey of, of behind the wheel, what that led to was 
the the practical thing that it led to was I'm going to interview people that own or work with nice cars. That was the use case. That was the practical way of translating what I had in my head. Mm-hmm. And you know, people often ask, "Well, who's behind the wheel?" Like you know, like it just like is in people who it's it's a it's a slang term in many ways. You know, who's behind the wheel of that car? Or you know, and it it just kind of it just had a bit of a nice ring to it, I guess. And I thought, sounds yeah, good, yeah. It sounds all right, you know. I yeah. think, and that's that's what it led to. What do you love about cars? Interiors. Um, I I I have very little. I have very little um, to say about exteriors. I mean, obviously, car. But I'm a big fan of interiors. What What about interiors? Um, you know what? But just a caveat to anyone that's listening to this: my knowledge on cars is absolutely zero. Okay, but we'll talk about interiors. Yeah. I have a car. Yeah. And I drive. So yeah. That's the extent of my knowledge. But go on, yeah. talk to me about interiors. I so so I'm very weird and I don't know if I'm weird. I just haven't come across people who do this. But when I see a new car being released, my immediate and I, I, I this happens one hundred percent of the time, and I mean that genuinely, hundred percent of the time. I'm the guy that will scroll through all the photos and look for the car interior. I'm so desperate to find out what the interior looks like. Why that is. I feel like car interiors are hard to do. It's hard to get right. What's a, What do you mean by get right? Like, what's a right interior? So, as we all know, there's a push towards big screens. Yeah. Right? Um, and... But at the same time, there's a clash between the big screen versus the practicality of being in a car interior. And it's, this, is, this is an ongoing battle. In every single car review, you know, they will they will talk about, well, if you want to change the temperature of the car, you, you know, you to go through multiple menus, right? If you're driving at 70 miles per hour and you want to, I don't know, you want to um, put the seats on. Is this, is this a dig on. at Tesla, by the way? No, it's not. This is, this is, this is a real debate. It's a real debate. Okay. Um, okay. Although, yeah, everyone knows, or people will know I'm not the biggest fan of Tesla's. But... You know, in in the Mustang Mach-E, in, you know, uh, even Polestar, right? They've got big screens, right? And, you know, anyone who reviews them, the first thing they'll want to find out is how easy it is to actually use, right? So it's really hard. It's really hard to have an interior that is simple, functional, looks great, and is easy to use. To get that combination is really hard. And I'm always fascinated by how manufacturers try to make that happen. Because more often than not, they'll make it really good looking, but not very functional. Like, it's hard to argue that a Tesla's interior is not good looking. It's great looking. It's simple. It's clean. Right? But is it, is it, is it, is it practical? On the flip side, right, you, know, you could argue that um, the Kia EV6 hasn't got a big screen but it's very functional but it's not great looking it's quite messy so it's it's, it's really hard to get that balance right mm. um so who's 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 done who's got it right 
And again, I am not the person to have this debate with about what's functional and what's clean and all this. Yeah. I'm asking you, who's got the in, who's got it right, interior wise? If I'm honest, I have yet to come across a car interior that I'd be like, oh, God. No, Jack, I'm, I'm, I, I, I genuinely. <sighs> And this is why hard. it took us so long to find a car. Yes, but we found one. Oh, well. Are we not doing a big reveal? No. Oh, okay, cool. No. But, yeah. I it, mean, I think your opinion is probably not a common one, isn't it? What, in terms, in terms of, of In terms of, it's not our choice, yeah? It's your choice, it's but anyway. Choice, yeah, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, car interiors. I'm just very picky. But just, I mean, let's just take me back to, like, your first memory on being passionate about cars. I know exactly what this is, because it's so, I remember it, like, I, I'm saying this with almost tears in my eyes and a smile. I have memories, uh, for, those who don't, for, those who, for, for those who don't know, I was born in London, and um, I remember being... I've always loved cars. I've always loved playing with small cars. Just ever like I used to be given small toy cars to play with. I used to love them. Remote, remote control cars. That was my thing. But my biggest memory, which spurred this interest in cars, was a people. And I, this I was young. Any single person in my family could ask me um, the name of a car, and I'd be able to tell them. Uh, and I'd, I'd be able to name the badge. So, I, so, as in, like, they would show me the badge and I would know what the car is, right? That was the first How thing. Probably seven, eight, maybe less. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is that my brother once uh, took me on a double-decker red bus in London. I think it was Oxford Street or some sort of, some sort of posh part of London. And I was sitting on that, and he took me to, 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 the, to the top of the stairs, top deck, we sat down, we were looking down all these expensive cars, and I could name every single car. And it, that, that's always been in my head, like always. Um, How did it feel knowing all these cars at that It felt age? pretty good because, you know, as a kid, right, you want to feel clever. Mm. And I wasn't ever, I wasn't academically strong. I mean, you know, um, I would say only the latter parts of my of my education, I, I, I managed to kind of step up and you know, learn things. But when I was a kid, I was never the clever one. And I still don't think I'm clever. Like I think I'm I'm dumb in many ways. Uh, it takes me a very long time to understand things. But this particular part of the world, I was just I was I, I I was better than everyone else. You know, I could name badges, literally any badge, in in, in the entire world. I still remember going to a camp in Sweden, and there was a, there was a competition about. It was one of those ones where like every groups of people, there's like ten groups of people. You know, five in each group or whatever it is, and it was it was it was a quiz, and you know my one came up in my group. I didn't know a single answer to any any of the questions. I really struggled, but one of the questions was you get a piece of paper with all the badges on, and you're gonna name them. And that, I, I got them all within like ten seconds. You know, I I just knew this was this was it's always been fascinating to me. You know, and when you were. When you were with your brother naming these cars, mm. was that something that he praised you for? Yeah, was this yeah, something yeah. that you were known for in the family? Yeah, yeah, or... yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah, at a, at a young age, people have known that I've just, I've just loved cars, always, always. Um, you know, before, before Behind the Wheel, you know, um, I would get asked, you know, what's your thoughts on this car? What's your thoughts on that car? Like, it just, probably, I mean, my thoughts probably didn't, weren't even worth 2p. Um, but, you know, I was just known as someone who just loves, loves, loves cars. And I know we talked about, well, you spoke about just now, about how academically you pushed yourselves perhaps in the later part yeah. of your education. Yeah. So just, I mean, just take, take me through your education. So went to school in London. Um, I wasn't this a primary brass, school. Primary school, yeah. Okay. But I was born in London and spent my first um, six years. Yeah, five years, six, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, I spent the first six, my first six years of school in London. I wasn't, I wasn't a prize to kids, but I wasn't exactly the dumbest, but I wasn't, yeah. I, mean, I was kind of average. Very, very much average. Um, then I went to a school, th- then moved to Leicester. I then went, I spent the first three years in one school and then in less it's a bit different you spend three years in one school and you go to a different school so year seven year eight year nine um i realized that my maths was incredibly poor like really poor to the point that i took i had to take tuition lessons even though i struggled but i got better i think i'm pretty sure i got like five 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 or something in my uh is it is it is it, is it sats yeah in my year nine sats so just i mean i think i know the answer to this but what are the what's known as a top grade in year nine um like what you're number? talking about seven eight i think okay. you can even get eight i'm sure you can get eight seven eight and i was getting fives i think i'm pretty sure i got five five four or something Fuck, mate, it, was, it was really bad mm. like and i remember you know um talking to you know guys at mosque and they were like stupidly clever they were getting like seven to eight and i just felt really really dumb like really dumb and i remember uh, my brother saying to me look we're gonna get you onto tuition um yeah i i, I was never but you know but it's it's funny because my my academic pedigree if you like or lack of pedigree can be described as a constant upward level of progress. Mm. I mean, there wasn't like the baseline wasn't particularly high. It was really low anyway, but it incrementally went up. So to put into perspective, it was like four, four, five, five, four, four, something like that. And then I got to GCSEs. Or I think like, I, I'm not, yeah. Is there, is there a gap between SATs and GCSEs? So SATs is in year nine. Year nine SATs. And then you've got your GCSEs in year 11. Yeah, right. So year eleven, I got I got three A's, three B's, four C's, right? Which for someone who got five is not bad, I don't think. That's the GCSEs. GCSEs. Then my A levels, I got um, I got two A's and a B. What did you do A levels then? Uh, because that A levels is what you're defining your career now on, yeah? Essentially, perhaps. Well, not in your career, your degree. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Depending on what A-levels you pick, you'll then pick your 
university degree? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't reverse engineer it in that way. I, I think um, I was quite lucky in the sense that my parents allowed me kind of a, a almost a bit of a free say in, in many ways about my A-levels. I was ever pressurised to do certain A-levels, to be honest. I mean, that's something I give massive credit to, to, my, to my family for. You know, whilst they would have liked me to perhaps do more academic degrees like you know medicine or pharmacy thing, but you know they they didn't put that much pressure on me. Um, Why did you say the word allowed? Because there are people who are not allowed. I think that there are. I think there are kids who get heavily pressurized into doing certain certain A levels. Um, and yeah, I was, I was, I was never pressurized. I mean, for my A-levels, I did what? I did politics. <laughs> I did politics, religious studies and business studies. Like I would say two of those three subjects are probably, you know, against the kind of traditional kind of, you know, Asian kind of academic, um, thing, you know, but I thrived at that. I, I, I love my A-levels. A-levels were probably the happiest moment of my academic life. Like, even probably better than university. I loved A-levels. Loved it. Because of the subjects? Yeah. I love political... I, I love politics. I loved... And I was really good at that. So, again, GCCs... So, SATs... So, year six SATs, I must say, I'm pretty sure it was, like, really bad. I can't remember what numbers I got, but they were really, they were really bad. Year, year nine SATs... Five, five, four, five, four, whatever it is. GCs, three A's, three B's, four C's. A levels, two A's and a B. You know, just a, a very steady progression. Um, and for the first time in my life, A levels was where I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite good at this. And you mentioned specifically politics. Yeah, which, which, which is which, which is what I picked for my degree, which is the one subject. I, I was incredibly, quite frankly, I was good at it. Like, I mean, as in, yeah. I, was, I, I, was, I was just getting good grades, but also the fact that I was just loving it. I loved, loved politics. I, was, I just fell in love with it. I remember there was like one term where it was like, it was, it was American politics. And every single lesson I'd speak, I had an amazing teacher. I loved it a bit. I loved it. And you obviously worked hard on your A-levels. Yeah, yeah. It was, to, it was a, to do? What did you do? At, a uni? Yeah. Uh, political science with international studies. And where did you do that? Uh, to that, Birmingham. Sort of University of Birmingham, yeah? Yeah. So that's a top uni? It's, it's yeah, it's it's definitely up there. Um, red brick, right? Yeah, yeah. And just, just what does red brick mean? Uh, okay, it's like a... It's the equivalent, you could argue, of the American um, of the American system of um, like top universities. I can't remember what America has. Uh, Ivy League, yeah. It's like it's like it's the British version of Ivy League, basically. So, so was it important to you to get into a top uni? Well, let, let's let's break that down. Was it important to you to get into uni? Yes. Yeah, it was. It was important to me. Was yeah. it important to you to get into? Birmingham, like the top uni. Funny enough, no. Okay. I was never aspiring to go to a top university. 
even at A-levels. So what was your aspiration at that age, would you say? Honestly, I put much more of a priority on making sure that I find the right degree. Okay. Which is funny, actually, because you'd think it would, uh, my folks might, you know, seeing as I'd never done anything, you know, you, you would have thought I would have spent them so long trying to figure out how to get there. But actually, no, it wasn't like that at all. What actually happened was um, there was this means tested thing where at Ashby, where I went to school, uh, they did this thing where like those that are, you know, on, on, on low income, uh, they were given a chance to experience university life for a week. And I applied, I went there, loved, and it just happened that Birmingham was the university to offer this thing. I think it's called access to, access to higher education or something. The whole point of it was to kind of, was to, was to drive up the number of kids from low-income families going to university. There's a there's a there's an ongoing you know topic or conversation right now in the UK and maybe even abroad about you know, trying to get people from low-income families to even just, just to think about going to university. And uh, this was a scheme which was designed by University of Birmingham. And so I went to Birmingham, loved it, loved the university. And what they did was they said to us, look because you've done this one week course, which I think it was like a week, maybe even two weeks, because, you, because you've done this course and you've passed, we are going to reduce the normal threshold for you guys by like one grade. Okay. So it was like, it made it more accessible to me. I think it was like, you need three A's to get to, get, to, get to the University of Birmingham, but they allowed A, B. And I was like, I love Birmingham because you know, at that age, I wanted to be obviously independent and, you know, somewhat a little bit far from my parents, have a little bit of independence freedom, but it wasn't that far. So it was still commutable. And that's why I picked Birmingham. Okay. So the aspiration was to get to uni. Yeah. Yeah. What drove that aspiration? Was that something that like your friends were doing? Was there something that your family were pressurizing you or was it something that you realized as an individual that would give you an edge in life going to uni I think it was a mixture of all those things before I was surprised I think I think if I didn't go to university I, I think my parents would have been very unhappy would you have been unhappy <sighs> probably probably I mean you know in, in in my head in my head university was seen as the gateway to stability, safety, um, respect. Yeah, it was that, it, that, that, that was in my head. You know, it was, it, was, it was my perception that only if I go to university would I get a good job, would I have a stable income, you know, would I do the very things that other people are doing. And, you know, um, yeah, that was that was that was in my head, and. So, what do you think now? Has that changed? Uh, yeah, it has changed. It has changed. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm I'm much more. I wouldn't say that I'm I'm sitting here saying, you know, university is the worst thing in the world. It's horrible, and I hate it. And no, like I I don't think that at all. I I think that we just live in a in a in a in a in a day and age where there you can you can it 
university is not a prerequisite to 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 whatever whatever you determine as success. You know. Um, but then, but, but then, why go? I mean, there are obviously lots of people who yeah don't because it has massive benefits, right? Okay. You know, um, there's no doubt about the fact that going to university in many ways. Um, you know, allows you to experience uh, a level of independence, a level of freedom. It can teach you life skills. The it teaches you discipline. It teaches you focus. Um, and you know, and for some people, it's amazing. It's absolutely brilliant. However, I would never describe it as a universal solution for everyone. Right. Um, and I, my, my, my thing is always like, see this whole thing called life as quite frankly, a restaurant menu, you know, try as many different things as possible. You know, this whole notion of like having a very prescribed, descriptive recipe for success. To me, just feels so narrow right um and i think that we live in a day and age where you know is it is it there'll be people who obviously have gone to university and done very well right but there's also a significant significant number of people who drop out of university because it's just they just hate it you know um, I mean, you only, only need, need, need to look at what the top 100 companies in the entire world and look at the number of college dropouts there are, right? Um, so for me, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm in a place where I'm like, I know I went to university, it was great, it was a great experience, but, um, and, and, and to be fair, to be fair, it was the right thing for me because I had no other option. I didn't know, right? I think I think what you've said there, you you, you actually you've come across you, you've come onto something that's really important, and I think it's it's on the individual, isn't it? Yeah. You said it was right for you. Yeah. yeah. And okay, at that time maybe you didn't have another option, but even if you did have another option, it still could have been the right choice for you. Possibly. As an possibly, individual. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, you you don't know. There might have been things that you learn at university that have defined you as a person absolutely absolutely and I'm, and and what i'm saying is is that perhaps university is something that could be right for some people and perhaps not so right for others depending on the individual and maybe their learning styles and what it is that their their aspirations yeah. are in life. And I mean, for me, for example, yeah, it gave me choices. Going to university, getting a degree, gave me choices, and it opens up doors for you that perhaps by not having a degree wouldn't give you. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 an opportunity cost to both sides, right? And you have to weigh it up. It's like. By going, by spending three years of your life or five years or whatever it is, going to university and doing something will give you X. 
but it won't give you why, right? Um, you know, for someone who just started a business and is um, already kind of, you know, there, there's momentum there, university might be a great thing. But because again, it gives that person, it, it, it choices, gives that person right? choices. But at the same time, those three years that, that they've now missed, what would have happened if they continued that, that down that route? And you don't know. You can't tell the future. I suppose right? it's, it's a risk on both sides. It's a risk on both sides, right? Yeah. And I think you have to weigh it up. It's like, you know, would you want to be that person to tell that kid if you could read the future? You never went. And you can't do it. But imagine, imagine what would have happened. And that works both ways. They could have gone to university, right, and turned that small little business into a million, multi-million pound business because they went to university and because they made some friends at university who they now become partners with, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Or, you know what, they didn't go to university and they spent those three years traveling around the world, right, discovering new things and built a business to become a multi-billion pound. There is, there is both, both things are equally as possible, yeah. right? If Mark Zuckerberg, right, really extreme example, but if Mark Zuckerberg continued down university life and continued with Stanford or wherever he went to, Facebook would not have been born, probably, right? Bill Gates, if he if he didn't drop out of university, Microsoft probably wouldn't have been born, right? So there's there's, there's examples on both sides. Isn't Absolutely, it? right? And that's what I say. They you know what Microsoft might have been bigger than what it is now if Bill Gates from university, possibly, but we don't know. And the issue I have is when we start when the conversation becomes, no, 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 you have to go, because that's that's you just have to go. I think we have to be able to open up the conversation and understand people as individuals, as people, and 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 be open to 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 what's actually right for them. We don't always know what's right, and that's why I would never see university as a mistake. Never. We're on this world for seventy, eighty, ninety years, right? You'll make mistakes, but you don't always know it's a mistake. So if you if you you know. I think people spend far too long trying to figure out what is the right thing to do. And I'll, I'll end on, on one final point. We need to stop worrying about, worrying about make, making mistakes. You know, if you're scared about going to university, whether you go or you don't go isn't a deal breaker in your life. It's something in the world, right? Um, yeah, I'm going to stop ranting now. So, yeah. That's fine. So just going back to you. Yes. You went to uni. Yeah. Did political science, right? Yes came out of university and then what did you do i honestly i struggled to find a job you know you think coming out of a red brick university you know doing a great degree i struggled and i struggled because um i was really bad like really bad doing those stupid freaking numerical reasoning tests but did you i mean did you apply for polit political jobs no. or no i was applying for uh a little bit of civil service i mean yeah god you civil service kind of politics related but honestly i was looking at marketing jobs i was looking at why i mean you you, you said that obviously you're at that time what, what i mean whether that is different now i don't know but at that time you were you were you were massively into politics you love the subject yeah why would you marketing why would you look at things like i, don't know, I was i was or... fascinated by that i really was um I was also fascinated 
it's funny when I think about it. I remember, I remember thinking my dream job, my dream job would be to get paid a decent salary to do a job that involves helping people. Because I was like, I don't want to work in a charity because I want to get well paid. Mm-hmm. And I want to have, I want to have clear career, career progression. And I want to, I want to be a senior person. And it's like I was thinking, like, what about a think tank? Or what, what about like an NGO? Or what about like a consultancy? Like my my dream job would have been like working as a consultant advising charities. That would have been like friggin' amazing. Can you imagine? It was. It was. It was the time. Okay. Right. And it was like, whoa, that'd be so cool. But I don't think I I I, I don't think I have anything practical with that. But with again, that I mean this. But going back to the question, why not politics? Why didn't you go into something to do with politics then? Oh, I was in love with the subject, not the career path, in the, and 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 not. I didn't. I I've never. I've always been more in love with. I'd say. Yeah, if I was to be honest, honest, absolutely, absolutely honest, I love American politics. Mm-hmm. Right, and people will disagree with me on this one, but you know, I I I find British politics rather boring, to be honest. Um, maybe politics is is, a, is good fun. It's like, American it's like a, politics is entertainment. Isn't it's it? entertainment, right? You I know, mean, and, also the election, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's fun to watch. You know, like that's the thing. And so I've always been in love with that. And I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to move to America to pursue a political career. Yeah, but I mean, would you, even if you did. Would you have pursued a career in politics, living in Probably America? not. Probably not. I mean, I think you just said it. You you just said it there, right? You love the subject, not necessarily the career path. So yeah. You, you didn't have an aspiration to be an MP. No, never, never. I mean, it just it it just never really. I think also. Is it fair to say that maybe you you love politics because it allows you to perhaps help people if you're well, a person in power yeah. this is, is, this is a, that is that the thing it's a really good question and I, it's funny because I, I i never thought about this until now there is an idealism associated to politics which is like it's all about the people and you know it's it's, it's about representation and democracy and whatever else and i think i knew deep down that that's not what it's about. Yeah. Right. You know all the, the you dirty know. side policies. Yeah. Right? right. And and you know and I I I guess I fell out of love. You know, but when I was young, I was a you know I was a complete lefty, and you know I spent a lot of time thinking about how you know rich people should pay way more in tax and you know all that sort of stuff. I was you know very very, but I think when I finished university or even during my course I, it was very clear to me that getting into politics was it just never interested me just never really turned me on in, in, in any way okay i was okay moving on then sorry yeah. you look for a job yeah what'd you find so my first job which took me a while to find um was working for um a very recently established um shia uh, a think tank, and I was there for, and that was my first, you could argue, 
but I, I wouldn't call it a proper job because I, I wasn't even paid like decent money. It was like, it was it was literally making ends meet. Um, but yeah, that that's my first job, kind of doing articles and research for for this think tank. And then um, I then found my first proper job in healthcare consulting. Um, which I kind of stumbled into. Um, you know, it, it says something about a company um, when, yeah, I, I think, I can't know whether whether this was the case like early on or whether they came into place late, later, but it was just like, the, the pay was like really weird. It wasn't, it was odd kind of like. Odd. Well, it's consulting, isn't it? it, it, so, it, it was. So we, were you getting paid like a contractor? Kind of, yeah. It was a really kind of weird sort of thing. And I remember thinking, this is odd, but it was really good pay. Like, really good pay. Hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, this is quite nice, actually, after I started. You know, got my first paycheck. Bought, bought my first car with that paycheck, which was a Mazda RX-8. And, yeah, and then it kind of... And, I mean, what was it... So you're part of this haughty-torty type of corporation getting paid well mm. what was the lifestyle like initially it was amazing like you know we were in hotels five days a week you know uh wearing suits every day being more professional and being you know in a, in a very kind of corporate environment it was i felt amazing i felt like this is what i've been yearning for you know did you like did you like the attire the suits the... yeah i did yeah i felt important i felt pretty good and i felt like you know for ages i spent wondering am i ever going to get to that place because it took me a while it took me a while to find a job right like i i it wasn't it wasn't like i just found something i spent the best part of maybe like a year maybe even two years probably maybe a year looking for a proper job mm-hmm. you know people of my age were like going on graduate courses yeah. right and earning 25 30k a year and then i was like earning not even the percentage of that it was like tiny right and i just felt like you know i want to be able to own a car i want to get a mortgage i want to be able to progress with my life and i felt felt really bad and i kept applying for stuff and not getting it you know and i got to the final stages of certain jobs and just never happened and finally i got it how did that how did that impact your confidence i mean you're obviously so at that point in your life before you um got to this job where you wear suits etc how did that how did that impact your confidence there were people around you probably your age your friends who have graduated and they're all moving on to graduate schemes mm. and at that time going on a grad scheme i guess is quite like a well, the pinnacle of success was, was right the pinnacle of, you're, you're on your you're on your way aren't yeah you? yeah like with, with grad schemes there's a very kind of clear kind of path right how did that how did that make you how did that make you feel it was awful it was absolutely awful i just remember thinking this is this is this is just crap um and what did that make you think about yourself i mean because you mentioned these tests and stuff and you think that that was you said that that was the reason do you feel yeah i mean i don't i don't think i was i was hard on myself in the sense i don't think i ever kind of went through a period of wondering like you know i'm I'm pathetic and i'm bad and you know i I think it, it, it just made me more driven um, yeah, I, was just, I, I just became more driven. Like every single rejection I got, I felt stronger and stronger and stronger. To stronger, and stronger became became my desire to want it to want to make it work. And 
Um, thicker skin, I guess. Yeah, definitely got thicker skin. And is that different to how you dealt with maybe? I'm not going to say failures, but your challenges when you were younger. Because you, I mean, you say to me now, you feel like you're not the brightest bulb, mm. I guess, in the box. Mm. You felt like that as a kid. Yeah. It felt awful when you weren't getting the jobs and other people were. Do you feel like your confidence perhaps wasn't as badly tarnished I think it was, as, no. as, a, as an adult in comparison to when you were a child? No, I don't, I, I don't think it was, it was impacted um, because the one thing that I've, I, I hold as important to me and which I take a lot of pride in, and I probably shouldn't, but I do take a lot of pride in, is the fact that I know I'm dumb, but I also know that if I genuinely want to learn something, I will learn it. Why do you keep saying that? Why do you keep saying the words dumb and why do you keep associating yourself with that word? Because I, I actually do think I'm dumb. Like, I, I, well, why? Like, why do you think you're dumb? Because it takes me longer to understand things. Like, and you think, you think that makes you dumb? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, as in, like, people... Simple mathematical equations, right? You know, um, I mean, it's it's quite annoying being married to a mathematician like yourself because, like, you know, like, we'll be, like, just going by a day, day-to-day thing and you might, I don't know if you do this or not, but you might not, I don't know if you do, but, you know, there's times that, like, you know, you'll figure something out like that and I'll be like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. As if, like, I'm acting like as if I knew all the time. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what the answer was. But you've, you've, you've worked it out already. And, you know, or there's times that you'll, that you'll explain something to me and I'll be like, yeah, I, I get it, I get it. In actuality, I don't. There, there are many times that I'm so scared about uh, of saying, sorry, can you repeat that again, please? Because it takes me a while to understand things. It just does. A lot of things. Yeah. But, but I'm someone who, if he wants to learn, I'll learn. And I mean that seriously. Like, I will, politics, RS, you know, we're talking about philosophy and ethics, right? Like, freaking really hard, complex things. Yeah. But I loved it so much that I spent my evenings and my weekends and I spent literally days upon days upon it. I used to produce my own exam questions because I was like, I, I need to push myself. For fun, I would literally do exam papers because I used to enjoy it. I used to write. I used to love writing essays. You know, essay structure became like this hobby of mine, right? I used to, I used to physically give essays to my teachers um, without without needing to because I wanted to just make sure that I was I was getting things right in my head. If I love something, I know that I'll do well at it. I just know I will work my ass off to like learn it. So I, I, I hold that in my head. But I know that just naturally I'm not gifted in in in, in quickly getting things. I just it, that mustn't the but calling yourself dumb and saying that you're dumb, that mustn't feel nice, though. Especially a word like dumb. I mean, you can't look at that in a positive way, right? The only difference is that, um, is that I, I say it because I also look at my life right now and I want, I want, I want people to understand that you don't have to be clever 
to um to 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 have all the things that I used to dream of having a house having a car having a stable income having a wife having a family having you know um the ability to go to on holidays and stuff like that. I, I I've I'm so blessed right now to have all these things in my life and I'm dumb like I say that with pride because I I am proud of the fact that I've worked so hard maybe a little bit harder than, than other people to get to where I am and that's why I I don't mind saying it because I'm like yeah but I've turned out okay <laughs> you know that doesn't yeah okay I mean obviously I would I don't I would never say that to you and I don't think that you are dumb yeah yeah and I'm sure you'd agree that you wouldn't call someone else dumb. I would never do that. No, no, no. Because you realise it's an offensive term to use, right? Yeah, of course. And I would never... I have so much... You know, it, this is why I have I, I have a bit of an issue with the academic system as a whole, right? In the sense that the academic system penalises you for not understanding things quickly or not getting things in a certain way. It, do, you, do you think, even outside the academic system for a minute, think about just day-to-day life Yeah. or in a job or even in behind the wheel for a minute, mm. do you feel that same feeling of that that you're dumb yeah so so it's not necessarily the academic system no i guess maybe that inflates the feeling and i think it sets it off in some ways okay right like if you think about it like what is what is society what does what does schooling teach you if you get an f or if you get a u you are not clever that's that's what you're led to believe right and or you are not good right but where is the conversation about this person might have got a bad grade because of the way they learn no one talks about that or they don't talk about it enough right and you you can take someone who's getting really bad grades of, and I say bad in you know air marks because what is bad, what is good, it, it, we, as a, we as a society are determined what is, what is bad and what is good. But I, I just think you know, there's this really kind of warped view of, of, of what, what, what success looks like and how else are you supposed to, if you're a kid who has got consistently bad grades for his entire life or her life, how are you supposed to not believe that you're going to be a failure in life? How are you supposed to not believe that you're going to be just dirt poor? But that's the world we live in. Yeah. And if I look at myself, right, you know, um, I want people to know that even if you're not academically strong, like I'm not academically strong, I'm not. But what I what I am strong at is a being incredibly self-aware of what I like and what I don't like. And what I can and what I can't do. 
and knowing that and knowing this is important knowing that if I put my mind to it I'll be okay I, th- I think I think you're being quite harsh on yourself though I mean you keep saying things like dumb and not academically strong but you're forgetting what you've just told us which is you got really good a levels yeah but that's the thing in areas that I found interesting yeah okay right? cool okay cool but that's, still, I would have probably got still, still same academic system though right yeah okay so but, you you did you did your a levels you went to a top uni yeah right I think that's something that is not very common yeah people who are academically strong still would find it a challenge to get to a red brick uni that's not something that is news to you you know that so I think you're being harsh on yourself to say you're not academically strong maybe in the things that you feel other people deem important so like political science for example yeah. maybe in our society or our culture it's not seen as the, the yeah, thing yeah. to do so maybe like like you've mentioned you mentioned maths and maybe like medicine or being a lawyer or whatever yeah. all these like top careers again they're in inverted commas yeah yeah perhaps in those areas you would look at yourself and think ah i'm not academically strong in that yeah yeah maybe and maybe that's the reason why you're saying these words but i think when you actually look at the facts well and we haven't talked about your career yet which we will in the second yeah, yeah, yeah. but well I, 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 point, you're right and i see i see i see where you're going with this what i would say is that i probably rephrase it as i'm not naturally and I, I think strong. you've hit the nail on the right. head there. But you're not naturally, no. and perhaps what you're saying is, it's more about hard work than it is about natural talent. If for you, for me, yeah, and I'm evidence of that, and and that's why, like, you know, I just know that there's the average person just, you know, um, just would typically get things quicker than me. Mm-hmm. I have to try hard. At least, at least that, that's what I believe. I don't, but I don't, I don't say that in any kind of like look at me in like a pity kind of way no. i say it as like if you're like me and it takes you a while if you're someone has to like you know ask someone to repeat this five times to get it that's like me by the way you know um it's not a bad thing it's you know, maybe you just un- understand things differently and that's okay okay so take us through your career then so you finally so you got a job then you yeah, I got, got I job. got the you know the the the, the suited booted, the posh, suited booted posh you know, yeah, you know, um, hotel life, hotel life. Quickly, very quickly, hated it. In terms of I hated being away from home, I used to get really upset, really upset because I used to at, the, at at that point in my life I was living with my mom and dad. I used to miss them a lot. I used to miss them so much. I used to hate hate um, Sundays. Fridays were like a really kind of bittersweet moment because Friday was like I'm coming home but it's so limited because because I was so far from home I would come back home so late on a Friday and then Sunday by about 4 p.m 5 p.m I used to be off back back to the job site it was really tough found it really hard but did that for a couple of years were you good at your job I think I was all right. I mean, you know, I uh, eventually became became um, a manager 
And yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I think I was all right. I want to say I was, yeah, I think I was all right. It's one of those jobs where like, you know, it, 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 whilst there are many cons, um, in terms of like, many kind of things that, you know, were horrible about it, but, but it genuinely was the case where like, if you do work hard, if you do work hard, you do get rewarded. And, um, that happened to me. So, you know, I worked hard and did, didn't ever complain. I just did my thing and, you know, and, and learned a lot and rose up the ranks re- relatively quickly. Um, and I believe at the time that my income, my relatively high income, was the result of me being willing to do a job that always meant that I was at risk of being away from home. And I didn't believe at the time that it was possible to be on the same level of money or more without having that flexibility. And it was you, if you remember, who convinced me to kind of like explore, just look. So I began to look. I then joined... Um, um, I then I then found a job where I was able to be at home every every day. So was um, that the reason then that you left that that job? Yeah, I, I I left because I was I was I was about to be reassigned to a different to a different project, and that was going to be really far from home. Um, and I was really upset by it. Really and at that time, we, obviously, we we were married then. We were married, and you know, I was really lucky because the first. First year, maybe of our marriage, um, I was able to be home every day because the, the project I was on was like very close to the house, and so I was able to commute every day. It was amazing. But then, I'll, but then that came to an end, and I was going to be assigned to a different different project. I was going to be very far away, so I panicked. Not panicked, but I was like, I'm done. I'm done. So I took interviews, and to be fair, like my my first job, I took a massive pay cut, like a, a good fifty percent pay cut. Um, and maybe even more, I think. And yeah, but then I managed to quickly kind of earn more money, and I was on a similar level of income as it was previously, but being home every day. But it wasn't the most satisfying work. Did you miss your old job when you were there? Mm, a little bit, not a lot though, a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. No, it was. It was all right. Um. It, it wasn't as fast paced and you know you weren't doing I, I i didn't feel like i was really doing important stuff but you know it was it was what it was and i was home every day and i loved it um but it was only like a two-year secondment or something so then i left that found another job working in it which was really busy like I was always on the go. I just remember thinking, remember thinking it was just so stressful, but it wasn't. I I didn't find it particularly meaningful. Um, and then, funnily enough, I joined the company I used to work for. So this is this is the this is the very, the first suited boot company. First suited boot company, yeah. Rejoined that company. Um, so why did you why did you go back? Were you tired of? Yeah, it the was it lack, was lack of satisfaction. 
Yeah, I wasn't really enjoying IT to be honest. Um, I mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the most fulfilling of jobs, and yeah. So I then um, and and what I was given the opportunity to do was like really kind of it was it was a significant step up for me in terms of my career. So I went back, done that, um, but yeah, that was and and that was the moment that I uh, that I had that you know where we began this whole podcast which was i was crying and that's when the podcast started so so what was it i mean you obviously had your mind on other things mm. even during this step up overall so you've so you just had some is it fair to say a promotion perhaps in your life mm. you've gone up a significant amount mm. And now, suddenly, well, not suddenly, because we've already assessed that this has been going on here and there throughout your life, mm. but this was like a groundbreaking moment where you now want to do more in your life and you yeah. feel like you want to do more. But yet, you've just had a promotion. Mm. Why? Like, why? Why is that not enough for you? Could you not, do you not feel that maybe in your bigger role that you've admitted that that company you felt more significant to you, like you were doing more significant work, so you were satisfied with the significance of it? Mm, no, I wasn't. It, it, it definitely made me feel good. I, I felt validated, for sure. Mm. Tick. Self-esteem, tick. Money big tick right i felt like i was a boss i was a boss i had people reporting into me right um the fact that i was invited to go back yeah right massive level of, of validation but there's but that that box of feeling like i was doing something that made me feel like i was doing something that was bigger, important, worthwhile, that was unticked completely, you know. Do you think that, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going back to the very first time you were at this company. Because mm. you mentioned that you felt like you were doing something important. Mm. Mm. But, well, or maybe was it the fact that your mindset of what important that's is... What it was was different now correct that that's what changed important in the early days meant you know uh uh you know banking right or you know professional yeah that let's call it professional important at the time was synonymous with professional okay right you know in those days you know working at tesco wasn't important in my head, working for a charity wasn't important in my head, but they are important, right? They are important, but they're not professional, at least in my head anyway, like back in those days. And so that's what's changed is, and, and, and you know what? I'm not getting too theoretical, but is it Maslow's hierarchy of needs? You know, um, once your basic levels of um, of of needs are met, you've got money, you've got food, 
whatever, 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 you start to want more and more things that are a lot more important, right? And I was in a point in my life where my basic needs are met. I've got a relatively stable job. I've got food on the table, but I want more, right? And that's just, that's what I mean by important. It was this feeling of, um, I, 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 I want to leave something behind and I want to feel proud of myself. And I wasn't getting that from, from my job. So the next day you get in touch with a coach. Yeah. And then? And yeah, we just started talking and, um, yeah, we kind of, I mean, we went through some very kind of important, but arguably theoretical stuff, but it was, those were the foundations upon which I then made the decision to start behind the wheel, but I had many layers I had to like cut through the first layer of being scared about what I might think. The second... Does that go back into, sorry to cut you off. No, no. Does that go back into the whole idea of what's important professional etc is that is that is that what you're talking about about what other people might think um because this was something that perhaps wasn't professional or seen as professional i think there's an element of it there's an element of it but i also feel like it was, it was, it was more of like, if I fail. Okay. It was getting rid of that. Because so the fear of failing at whatever this thing yeah, is. Yeah, because to be. because you've got to remember, right? That I've 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 gone from a place of feeling dumb and stupid to now, for the first time in my life, I am, you know, earmarks respectable. Right. I'm the guy with a great job. I'm the guy who's working for a for a, in, a, in a in a professional corporate space. I wear a suit to work every day, right? What if? And I've 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 I'm you know I'm you know I'm this person now, and suddenly it's like if I fail at doing this, what are people going to think, right? If you fail at doing what? At the time, doing something related to what I to the cause, so I had to get rid of that. Well, not going to have to figure out how to how to work past that, um, which took a while. Also, this idea of like it has to be perfect from day one. Mm. I had to ha- like I I have to have things figured out before I start. Completely wrong. But I had this why. I was like, no, no, no. You can have a plan before you start. No. Did your coach kind of guide you? Yeah, 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 massively, yeah, yeah. And what sort of exercises did you have to do? Like, you went on like a program, didn't you? Mm. And what what was the what was the steps to that program? Um, I can't quite remember what the steps were, but there were like various things that were that we would discuss, like for example, values, right? You know, um, people often have value number one: make money. Value number two, um, give back to society, whatever it is. And in actuality, like 
those that are most successful are the ones that actually can reprioritize their priorities whereby number one is like give value right when you when you change your priorities and your and your values the money comes at the end and and money comes like there's an amazing quote i once heard it was like the amount of money you earn is directly proportionate to the amount and intensity of people you make happy if you can make people extremely happy and a lot of people extremely happy that will have a that will be that'll be in line with the amount of money you make right and 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 so that sort of stuff was amazing it was like wow this is so interesting and so yeah so it was stuff like which, which, which i learned and ultimately led to the first step which was i remember this clearly i wrote a post on facebook announcing my intention to start this and you know, there's a saying that i think about the time is you know people are so scared to tell the world about their ambitions about their dreams but tell the world man scream it out loud the universe has this crazy frigging phenomenal way of actually rewarding you for being so courageous people want to help you people actually want to help you like when i told people about about, about what i wanted to do people were so supportive they're like pushing me on right you know and suddenly like it was just this weird feeling you know i had people calling me saying you know i put this post on 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 facebook right a week later maybe two weeks later my sister-in-law calls me says to me hey my neighbor works in cars he'd love to he'd love to be on your podcast why because of my facebook post right and it was it was like that moment of like wow like is saying from the from the top of your lungs you know it was just a big thing for me but i felt so scared and embarrassed by it but that was the first step i took and i've never looked back since i mean that's that's really um, there's so many things we want to talk about right but so i'm going to cut that bit short but it's really brave to do make that first step isn't it yeah you know I mean, even now, whilst, whilst, whilst I don't post a lot on Facebook, but every single Facebook post, I, I am still a bit scared. I still, I still have that in me. Why, why are you scared? You'd think I wouldn't be, right? You know? Especially now. Yeah, but I still am. I think it's, 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 I'll tell you what it is. It's because it's family. I am still very much cognizant and aware of the fact that at some point, the family, I'll meet them, you know, and... Uh, yeah, I, I I still get a bit scared about that, that, you know, because here's the thing, right? The people that I am hoping to inspire and, and to motivate, I might, it chances I'm never going to meet them, right? And so I'm not as conscious about the things that I say. But with family, I'm like, and, 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 and Facebook is obviously a lot more for people who, it's it's family driven in many ways or friends driven or whatever it is it's people you got a connection with mm. right and so i'm always a little bit scared about what i say and what and how i come across because i'm like i might bump into you in like say two months time right it sounds funny but that's that that's that that's how it is would you would you feel scared about posting 
on Facebook about your job, your professional job at that time? Yeah. So it's got nothing to do with what you're posting. It's just to do with the fact that you're posting. Yeah. Okay, so that's just something that you're just a bit worried about in general, posting, because you're scared that someone's going to say something to you or you're going to be judged for whatever it might be, whether you might have missed a comma or... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I still get a little bit scared when people say to me, oh, yeah, I saw your Facebook post. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope it wasn't a bad one. Like, you know... Yeah, I think that's natural, though, isn't it? Just feeling you're slightly nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's got an eye on you. Like, even now, like, people tell me, oh, yeah, you know, I saw saw your TikTok video... When someone begins a sentence with, I saw your video, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, please, 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 please. Like, I really hope it wasn't a bad one. Like, I, that's my default go-to. I'm like, oh crap, like, what have I said now? What about, what was someone, record, you know, what, what, I, I'm so scared, you know? Because now they're in my face, like, I, 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 I've seen them, you know? <laughs> it's one thing being, being, being a keyboard warrior, but, you know, when it's someone who's, like, physically in front of me, I get very nervous. I'm sure that's common though, between for, for for people to feel like that. Probably, probably, yeah. I mean, so I mean, let's just let's just talk about your career again. This professional job that you've got, you've been invited back. You have this behind the wheel thought process, but you carry on with your job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You and we said we'll talk about it again, but you said at the time. It wasn't that bad. Mm. What do you mean at the time it wasn't that bad? So, um, I think, so, at the time, I, you know, um, it wasn't, it was stressful, but it was, it was manageable. And the, the relationship with, with my colleagues was, was, fine it wasn't it wasn't that bad but later on I felt like I felt like the the company culture became so toxic and so just hard to tolerate you know there were kind of like personal insults there was um, a lot of kind of like just Towards you or towards everyone? Like, was it something that was um, like company uh, culture to be insulting everyone? It was. It was. I mean, it was driven from the top for sure. I wouldn't say it was targeted at me, but you know, you still take it personally. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of kind of you know embarrassing in front of other colleagues. You know, it was just a really horrible place to be. Really tough place. You know, and you go to work every day, just constantly thinking about when will the next bollocking be. You know, it was just a really kind of horrible place to work, and um, that's what it became. It wasn't always like that, and so that's what I mean by at the time it wasn't that bad were you happy at the beginning yeah i was i really was i was i was happy i felt like things were going okay excited i guess because it's your first like it was Exciting. it was quite a big step up it was a big step it? up yeah and i think yeah 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 it was it was it was a it was it was a fantastic thing you know but at least at the time but what it turned out to be in the end was what felt like a me being tortured every day, you know, and the lack of recognition. Tortured, I mean, torture is quite a strong word, right? Mm. 
Why, why you use the word tortured? Because it felt like a slow burn. Like, when I think of torture, I, I think of it as like, you know, you're not just dying or you're not just dead. You, you take constant high levels of pain over a long period of time. That's what I think of torture. That's, what, that's what's going on. It's like high intensity, high levels of pain over a very long time. Like what? What happened? Bollockings in front of other people, um, insults, um, you know, uh, just constantly being told you're wrong, uh, being shot down. Um, Did that affect you in, yeah. in outside work? Well, you're probably the best to answer that, not me. You, know, you, you, you tell me. I mean, you I, mean I, I think it did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I personally felt like there was this issue at work where things were really bad. And maybe because of that, you didn't feel like you had power of any sort at work and I felt that your attitude towards me and our relationship changed because maybe that was a chance for you to get your power back. Mm. Pro I mean I wouldn't be surprised that was the case and you know um, it's 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 nigh on impossible to go through that situation and not for, and for it to not have an impact on of course yeah other stuff, I mean it was right? quite it was quite a traumatic thing right it was awful I mean you know what I mean how, how did that how did that how does that shape your mind as in how how are you dealing with something like that on a day to day basis the one thing which always kept me going was the idea that it would get better it was always on my mind did it. No, I never got better. It just got worse. It got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Why did you, Why did you Why did you think it would get better? What was it that you thought was something that would change? How, why would it change? Because when I began the job, the let's call it the climate. Is that because of COVID? Was it COVID? I, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that COVID had, COVID had a massive impact. Um, but at, at, before COVID, things were okay, right? And um, it wasn't exactly amazing, but it was okay. But what COVID did was it just made the whole thing worse. And in my head, it was like, well, what, when COVID goes away and when, you know, um, when, when things are better for the company... We'll all be treated better. And I thought I'd be treated better. That's never happened. And I got to a point where I was like, I'm just tired of waiting. You know. But yeah, last week I'm going with this false belief that oh things will get better. Yeah. How do you feel that impacted on your confidence? Well that took therapy, right? So you know, I had to see someone to deal with the issue. 
Um, how do you know, how, how did you know you needed therapy? Because therapy is quite a big word, right? People probably shy away from using the word or even talking about it. Yeah, I mean, whether whether it was therapy or coaching, I don't know. But I had to go see someone, and um, as to why I did that, I just felt so. It's funny because at the time I remember thinking to myself, "I'm going to take, I'm, I'm going to take these sessions." with the belief and with the intention of figuring out how to make my job and what I'm doing right now, how to get through it. It was never with a desire to leave. It was always with a desire to figure out how can I make things work. Did you think that the way you were being treated was anything, like whose fault do you think that was? Do you think it was? I thought it was my fault. I blamed it on myself. I took the idea of ownership of my problems in the wrong way. And this is really important, actually. If you've got a bad boss, or if you've got a bad corporate culture, or if you've got just bad, if you've got an, if you know, if you're in an in, in an abusive relationship, if your partner's being abusive. The idea of owning up, right, and saying it's all my fault, it's not supposed to be a way of saying it's actually me and I'm the problem. What you're actually saying is that it's up to me to get out of the, to get out of the situation. It's up to me as to how I solve this, right? And in my head, I was like, no, 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 it's me. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. Because I, I took this whole idea of ownership of the problems around me so seriously that I blamed everything on me. Did anyone blame you? As in, like, you're, you're obviously, you've obviously got this belief somewhere that it was your fault. Mm. No, no one did. But again, right? Some for another for one reason or another, my insecurities that I had when I was a kid of being dumb, of being slow, of not understanding things, they were resurfaced by being in that job, which is really weird actually. Like when, when I think about it, but yeah, that's what happened. Did 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 your boss? Did your boss make you feel that dumb, way? stupid, pathetic, useless? Yeah. Yeah. And that. Um, yeah, 100%. You know, I'd, I'd come back home and just think, I'm an idiot. So, yeah, so I took a coach or whatever. Uh, I mean, you know, some kind of like, what, about 10, maybe 12 sessions, I think, something like that. And yeah, you know, the first thing in my head was my first goal was, I remember saying this to her, please help me figure out how I can communicate to my boss in a way that is going to mean that I'm not always clashing. Mm. That was my first thing. And then it got to a point where it was like, it's not working. It's not working, and it was what, only... What wasn't working? 
whatever I was trying to do, right, to make things better between between me and uh, my boss just wasn't working. You know, it felt it's like... It's like was the insult still Yeah, it just kept going on. Just kept going on. I mean, yeah. I also... I hope you don't mind me talking about this, but... Mm. There was an incident between you and your boss where you relayed that to me. If you remember, mm. you were in the car. Mm. And we were on our way somewhere. Mm. It was a Friday, if you remember. Mm. After work. Mm. And you relayed a situation to me where, for me, that was just bang out of order. Mm. And it was something along the lines of your boss had spoken to you in a way that a parent would talk to a child. Well, yeah, he basically, basically, basically cut the phone on me. Like half a, and then half said to you, when you... When, well, after I after when he phoned you back, what did he say? I think it was something like, I haven't got time for this or something. Are you going to listen now? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, sorry, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not listening to me yeah. or something Proper like that? Yeah, proper parent-child kind of like thing, yeah. So what what, what what did he say, sorry? Yeah, he said, yeah, are you going to listen now? That's what it was. Yeah, good. yeah, very good memory, actually. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what he said. So he cut the phone so he cut on the phone, and then, he, and then I called him back. Or he called him back. No, I'm pretty sure I called him back. And he said, are you going to listen now? Which now that I, th- I look back, I think, blimey. I was... I was in a place where I thought, for a very small moment in time, that was okay. That's... I was in a place in my life where I was talking to my boss. My boss cuts the phone on me because he's so angry. So let's just and go then, back. In that conversation, yeah. what happened between you and your boss that he got this upset? I think we were sort of like going back and forth on something. I I, I can't, honestly, I can't remember. I, I really can't remember. And And what happened? Did he tell you, why, what did he say to you before he cut the phone? I can't remember now. I, I, I can't remember at all. Um, did you, you, did you know he was angry at you? Well, he was, he was always angry. Always angry. He never, never felt like he was actually happy. But. Okay, so he yeah. cut the phone on you. Yeah. He's obviously annoyed. Yeah. You're obviously, according to him, not listening. Hmm. And then you speak to him again, and he says to you, "Says to me, are you gonna are you gonna listen now?" And I remember thinking, "Oh, yeah, he's just he's he's just he's just being mad. He's just being his usual self." And I thought that was okay. And this is this is probably one of many incidents. Oh, there were loads more. I mean, you know, you all know about the times where you've overheard conversations. Well, I mean, there was one conversation that I overheard. Yeah. Where you were on a call mm. um over Zoom Teams, whatever mm. platform it was, and you were taking notes. Mm. Now I wasn't even in the room, so mm. I could hear the conversation, but I knew you were taking notes. Mm. And you're obviously taking notes, so you're looking down mm. at your notepad or mm. whatever. Mm. And he says to me, he says, 
in a public setting, I think it was. Mm. Mm. Mo, look at me when I'm talking to you. Is that what he said? You don't remember this? No, no. He said, Mo, look at me when I'm talking to you. And I found that absolutely baffling that how can somebody in a professional, because we, we're calling this job very professional, yeah? Mm, mm. How can somebody in a professional environment talk to someone else, their colleague, in that kind of way? And you said, sorry. Do you know that? That's what you did. Really? I'm sorry. And then you looked up. Hmm. Wow. I don't, I don't remember that at all. But that sounds like something that would do. But you know the fact that you don't remember it, like, again, that's shocking, right? For mm. me, that's like, that's trauma for me to hear. Well, you were crying when you... Yeah, because it was so... You. I mean, and the reason why we keep talking about this as professional is because I also work in a professional environment. So I mm. know what professional is as well. This is booted mm. hotels five days a week. Mm. I understand that. I work for a different company, but my company works very differently to yours. Mm. Or your well, it's funny, company. right? Because I remember you would tell me these things, and I used to be like, like... you think you probably thought I live, I work for some very company, yeah? Well, yeah, but it's it's funny, right? Because like now I work for an amazing company. Like I I love my boss. Yeah. I, I, I love my colleagues, I love my job, I love what I do. I, I couldn't be any more happier. And it's funny because we often have these conversations where I'm like I'm like I'm like, hey, hey, guess what today? Like my boss praised me today. And you're like, Yeah, that's like normal. Like hey, hey. praise. I don't praise but it's like he said he, he said, said, he thank, said, you. said thank you. Right? <laughs> or like, hey, my boss rang me and like wanted to know like what my thoughts were on this. Like it's so different. But to you it's like that's like normal. You know? Yeah. Okay, so you went you went for therapy, coaching. The idea was to understand him and for him to like you, I suppose. Yeah. That didn't work. And you decided to leave. Yeah, it was that and also the fact that I was it just happened that I was travelling. I remember I was I was very far from home. Very far from home. And um you were like Maybe like six months pregnant. Probably more. Probably more. And I said, I, I spoke to my coach, and the first advice, and it was, I was, I was, normally I would see her face to face, but this time I saw her in, in on, 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 a, on a virtual call because I was had to be away from home, and I just broke down and said to her, I'm gonna leave. And it's funny because she asked me once, and once only she she ever asked me before that session, why are you staying? And it never even it never even came to my mind that I should leave. I never even thought about leaving. It never even crossed my mind. I was like, no, no I want to stay. I want to stay. I I just, I just want to figure out how to make this thing work. And then um, yeah, I went on that call and I said to her, I want to leave, but I don't know how. And that's when then the. The, the every single session that came after that was focused on how do I leave. Did you feel like by you not being able to mend that relationship with your boss, 
had an impact on your theory in life, which was your dharma. You're not necessarily nationally academic, but if you work hard, you can get there. And you're working really hard to get on the right side of this guy. And did you, was it, was it something to do with failure that perhaps you felt like you failed to achieve that relationship with him or? I, I honestly felt like I was in denial and I, I honestly felt like, no, no, I, 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 I knew that if I'm willing to work hard at anything, I'll get there. Hmm. I, I've always known that. And so for me, it was like, I'm going to work hard and spend money, a lot of money, on making this work. And... So what was it, what was it then, the defining moment where you said, do you know what, I'll put my hands up here and I just can't do it. And actually, it's got nothing to do with me. This is actually something that I just can't fix. And the best way to fix this is to just get out of there. It was, um, so you mentioned earlier about how we were driving on a Friday evening. And, mm. you know, I, I, I told you what happened about my boss saying, are you going to listen now? And I remember you saying to me that that's just really off and not right. Yeah. And I called him up and told him that, yeah. that, that, that this is not right. And he apologised and whatever else. And then he did it again. Yeah. On a separate occasion. On a separate occasion. And then I'm pretty sure it happened again on another occasion. And that's when I thought, okay, like, this, I'm, because you've got to remember, right, for me to pick up the phone and say to him, this is not right, was massive for me. Definitely. I was so scared of the guy. So scared. I was terrified. I remember whenever he would call me, like it would be like my heart is racing. So for me to call up this guy and say to him, what you did is not on, was a massive thing for me. And now I've done what my coach has told me to do. I follow the script. Mm. I've set clear clear boundaries. I've done my end of the bargain. I've done what I thought was the right thing to do. But it hasn't worked. And you have this guy's not changed in any way. Mm. So therefore So it's like you know what? I'm done. I'm actually done. Right? And you know, um, you know, people always say, you know, stand up to your bully or to stand up. And I was standing up and it wasn't working. And so rather than trying to fix the situation, I just left the situation or decided to leave the situation. But don't you think that in a way was you standing up to the bully? Yeah. Because I don't think... I mean, you mentioning phoning him and telling him, that was quite far in, right? To this series really of in. abuse. Yeah, it was really far in, really far in. And, and, and it didn't happen every time. 
I mean, I we really talked about it before you picked up the phone and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and told him. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a bit like those that are going through it, right? You prop you. It's like you're in the playground, and you know you you've got you've got a choice of either to just take the bullying, take it, take it, take it, take it, or you stand up to your bully. But there is a third option, which is to leave the playground and go find a much more nicer playground where there's nice people there and there's no bullies, right? But that never even came to our mind. And that doesn't mean that you are any less. It doesn't mean that you are unable to take crap. It just means that you're putting your needs above everything else. You're 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 actually doing the brave thing of saying this is not right and I'm moving on. Yeah. Doesn't make you any less of a person, right? But in my head, there was an element of like if I can't fix this, then I failed, and I had to had to get rid of that idea by saying to myself, no 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 no. This is not something which I can actually fix. I can't. I physically can't. That's not a bad thing in me. It's just the way the world is. I think that's really brave, actually, to be able to say, "Do you know what? I just, I can't fix this, and I'm going to move on." Because I think that actually says a lot about how your mindset has developed throughout time, because. Your whole theory is about working hard. Yeah. Work hard, you get you get rewarded. Yeah. On this occasion, yeah. worked hard. Yeah. But you weren't rewarded. I was rewarded, and and but I think but I think I think I think the theory still stands, in the sense that the 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 issue was I was working hard at the, the wrong, wrong thing. thing. Yeah. Right. That was the problem. When I started working hard. At the right thing, yeah, things worked out even better than my wildest dreams. Like I can't, I'm in a place right now where I'm like, you know, I would have never imagined a situation where, you know, um, I've got the best job in the world. Like you know, I, I've got the best colleagues. I, I work with some of the smartest people I've ever met. I work and you're in tech. obviously a lot happier. So much happier, but I would have never. Imagine that this was ever this was ever going to happen to me, but it happened. It happened because I was willing to have faith in myself that if I do the right thing, but do it towards something which is actually worthwhile, not and that was the issue, right? I was so focused on trying to figure out how I can change this person. I was like, how can I change me to change them? That was my viewpoint. But there are some people that even if you change yourself, you're never going to change. Yeah. Sorry, they're never going to change. So it's like, well, just move on, you know? So let's talk about your, this new job. Yeah. How does this new job work in harmony with Behind the Wheel? Or does it? Ah, they're different in many ways. They're different, but the the most 
beautiful and amazing thing is that the people that I work with and my boss are like so supportive of my podcast and everything else that we do. I remember a couple of weeks ago, we, were, we, were, we went for dinner and my boss said to me, hey, um, we, we've got our office that we're not really using much. Do you want to use it to record podcasts? And I was like, taking it back. I was like, oh my God, I've never met anyone in my life who has been so supportive in terms of from a work place that was like really encouraging me. You know, my boss got his phone out and said to me, the first time I met him, like face-to-face, because we'd obviously spoken on the phone or on Teams or whatever it is, but for the, the first time I met face-to-face, he got his phone out and told me, so if he asked me, what's the name of your podcast? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to listen to a few right now, or like back home, whatever it is, you know? It's just phenomenal, you know? So whilst there's no kind of like real synergy or connection, I mean, yeah, there's an element of like, you know, we're able to start a few kind of cool marketing stuff, which is built on my podcasting kind of experience. But, you know, on the whole, there's no link. But they are so supportive. And it's it's really nice. Really nice. Real question is, are you passionate about this job? Yeah. You know, so my... my I, obviously, I've got, you know... Um, I've got two hats, or two, predominantly two hats. Um, my first hat is I work for a healthcare startup that is changing the way that we. Um, it, it, it's it's really like changing the way that we um, treat, manage, detect, identify patients with long term conditions, and you know. My own dad who's got type 2 diabetes, I think about him every single day. And I'm always thinking about how our mission, which is to enable healthcare professionals to be able to um, empower, motivate, support those patients in a much more effective, optimized way that is meaningful to patients who have these long-term conditions. My dad is one of them. Right, and I'm 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 always thinking about how we can better support his life, and the stuff we do is really groundbreaking. You know, it's it's a lot of it is at the forefront of technology, and I, I absolutely love it. I, I love the fact that I get to work with some awesome people with some really big brains, you know, um, but also our social purpose. You know, never before in my life have I have I worked for a company where our mission is so ingrained and so clear and never before has the focus been so much on the end patient um, and been so focused on trying to make sure that they are ultimately benefiting from what we do. So, yeah. So what's the future of Behind the Wheel? Is this career that you're career path that you're going down mm. something that you want to continue is yeah i mean that at least perhaps you can work in harmony with yeah yeah like, at, at least at least for the foreseeable future you know i'm i'm not i'm not intending on letting anything drop you know both are going to run in parallel 
Um, I would say the. I would say you know that there are goals against each one, but you know for me I'm six months in, into my new job, love what I do, you know I would I would love to be able to see um, how far I can possibly take um, this particular product and try to do my bit to achieve the company's full vision and full potential. And play my part in that, and contribute towards that journey in a really meaningful way. That's what excites me. The future of this company is massive. The potential is huge, right? And if I could just play one small part in that, right, that'd be amazing. Because I want to see it succeed. I actually do, right? And for the podcast, for behind the wheel, you know, um, beyond, you know all the guests that we're going to have in the future. And I'm, I'm hoping to bring some really, really interesting people on board. Not that no one else has been interesting. You know, I, I want to, everyone's been so interesting in their own way, but I want to bring on a lot more guests. Obviously want to reach more people and ultimately try and get to a place where, you know, um, when I think about what the dreams are behind, behind the wheel, you know, I'm, I'm picturing a world whereby, um, we are, we are everywhere. You know that that would just be everywhere. That would just be you know to to become synonymous with the idea of anything is possible. Um, that would be really cool. And I think, you know, I want to try and get to a place where every single young person or any anyone who's even a little bit older can can come to understand the importance of doing what you love, being passionate about what you do, working hard, um, developing the right skills. Uh, if I can try and get to that place where behind the wheel kind of is a is a vehicle for that person to to equip themselves to make their lives better. That's where that that's what that's where I want, I want to head to. Um, so yeah man, I, I want to try and see see the brand, you know hoodies and sweatshirts and events and you know um just pass on a message of um of, of you can be whoever you want to be that's that's the goal so yeah very nice well i think uh we've spent a good amount of time a very long time trying to figure out the man behind behind the wheel i like that and i'm sure there's a lot more to come and hopefully this will be the first of many of our episodes where we can talk about real raw stuff i hope so i really enjoyed that actually it was some very good questions there you should become a podcaster actually i'll leave do do i get a job you should get a job i should i should do you want to do my job for it (laughs) you'd be great No, no no Okay, I leave that to the professional. But all right. Well, that's good then. I guess we'll wrap it up here. Wrap it up here. Thanks everyone for listening. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.